Welcome to She's Running. This is the podcast dedicated to talking to women who are running for office locally, nationally, and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. On today's episode, I chat with Deidre Abood about her run for Senate. Apologies in advance. I get a little fangirly in this one. This weekend. This weekend, a woman died because she was standing up for her beliefs. This weekend, a woman was killed for... For what? It's... It's trying to say nothing because it's not nothing. Showing up and standing up and demonstrating against hate and racism and all the ugly, rotten beliefs and ideas that seem to be coming to the surface more often and more easily. That's not nothing. Heather Hayer died, was killed, being a good, decent person. She was putting into practice the words she posted on Facebook. That's not easy. It's easy to tweet and retweet and post. It's easy to say that you're outraged and to express disbelief. It's easy to read books and watch movies about the civil rights movement and say, I would have done the right thing. I would have been on the right side of the movement. I wouldn't have stood by and watched. But to turn away from the computer, to get off Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and actually go, actually do, actually be, that takes courage. Heather Hare had courage. She went, she did, she was. And she was killed by hate. So mourn for her. Mourn for the person she was and the person she should have become. Mourn for the person she was and the work she did. But don't mourn in silence on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Mourn in the streets. Celebrate who she was by continuing her work. In life, Heather wasn't a celebrity would probably never have known her name. We wouldn't have known her face or her last status update. She was a person, a regular person, who didn't want to see hate and racism show up in the streets without anyone there to speak out against it. Heather Hare died fighting for what she believed in. And now it's up to us to make sure that that fight continues. You've gotten some pretty significant press lately. feel honored that you're coming on my little podcast. Yeah, you got in before everybody. <laughs> well, before we get into our conversation, why don't you introduce yourself? So who are you and for what are you running? I'm Deidre Abood and I'm running for U.S. Senate in Arizona. And since you're a senator or running for Senate, then you would represent the whole, the whole uh, state. Yeah, state, every state right. has two senators. So where are you located? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. And where in the state is that? Um, it's kind of in the center. It's next door to Phoenix, which is the capital. Okay, cool. So why did you decide to run? I've been a civil rights and social justice advocate for about 15 years and then an attorney where I did immigration and estate planning law. So I've really enjoyed those things. But last year I saw that our civil dialogue 
was deteriorating. I grew up with people being able to be very passionate about their politics, their politics and their politicians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then after election day, they go home for Thanksgiving. And this year it was literally tearing families apart. I mean, like divorces and kids not talking to their parents. And I also saw that a lot of the elected leaders, it wasn't just on the presidential level with the campaign. A lot of elected leaders were targeting people within their own constituency to really make disparaging remarks about them and for for political points, nothing else but political points. And if you talk to these same elected leaders, they'll say, well, I don't think that all of them are like that. And yet they make those very broad comments that are very hurtful to a lot of communities. And I also saw that our elected leaders were not holding each other accountable when they did that because you know, a lot of the elected leaders also had those same community members in their districts. And I wanted to do something really extraordinary. So last October, I decided to close my law firm and started looking around, you know, what, what can I do to bring back unity and have us talking again? And as I was exploring what I could do, I finally decided that running for political office might be something that I should look into. People always told me that I should. Um, But I always felt like my job was to hold politicians accountable. And then early this year, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go for this. I can do this. I can change the conversation and I can help a lot of people. So that's what I decided to do. Why did you pick running for Senate? I would have the same issues regardless of what office I ran for. But U.S. Senate makes a statement. It makes a statement that this is where the the power lies this is where we haven't had a minority in arizona for a very long time we haven't had a democrat either but we just haven't had a minority a woman a person Mm -hmm. of color an immigrant i mean it's all been the same kind of people basically white men white christian men who've um been running arizona on the senate level And I decided that at this level, I could make the biggest difference and the biggest impact that really brings the the conversations together. I mean, the healthcare, the education, the the net neutrality. I mean, these are really big issues that we need to talk about. You're not only running as a minority, as a woman, but you're running as a Democrat in a very red state. So what are you doing to get your message out there to people who wouldn't necessarily maybe throw their support behind you? We actually don't consider Arizona to be a red state. We consider it to be more of a purple state. Okay. And that doesn't even have to do so much with Republican Democrat as we're one third Republican, one third Democrat, one third other, which includes independent, which is an actual uh, demographic that we have. But also even the people who fall into a political party, they may be conservative in some things and liberal in other things. So in Arizona, we we have a a major opportunity to connect on things that we do agree with and even to just talk about the things that we may not agree with how to get to the destination, but we can agree on the destination. So why you and why now? Because I, I stepped forward. I mean, that's really everything extraordinary in life. The first thing you have to do is be willing to step forward. Mm-hmm. and. I think with all of the, the cons that in people talk about in the political sphere of why someone can't win, I think that that keeps a lot of people who are 
you know, not the stereotypical ones that usually win from putting their, their hat in the ring. And I think that it takes someone to show that you can put your hat in the ring. It's not the end of the world. And really extraordinary things can happen along the way, that that can encourage more people of color, more people who have other characteristics that may not be necessarily mainstream, to also think about putting their, their hat in the ring, but more importantly, that it matters. So maybe if they're even not even running, that they can see how we can make a difference together. Now, your accent sounds a little bit more like mine than it does the other Arizona women that I've talked to. Are you native Arizona? No, I'm originally from Arkansas. I was okay. born in Arkansas, and my whole family is basically from Arkansas and Oklahoma. And uh, I moved to Arizona in 98, which was my late 20s. And I've, so I've been here almost 20 years. I also grew up in Arkansas. So what brought you to Arizona, and what made you stay? I came to Arizona on vacation and absolutely fell in love with it. Really? Vacation? Yeah, for vacation. My, my mom came out here for a conference and I had some vacation time that I was going to lose if I didn't use it. So, you know, I tagged along and came to Arizona and I just absolutely loved it. it I loved the, the weather. I loved the people. I loved the, the mountains and the sunsets. And um, I went back home and gave a three-month notice and said, I'm out. I'm, I'm moving to the state. And I, I did. I literally packed a car and moved to Arizona where I didn't know anybody, I didn't have a place to live, and I didn't have a job. And I knew I would figure those out, which I did. What has the process of running for office been like for you so far? Busy. <laughs> running for <laughs> office is very busy. And, you know, I, I file very, very early. Most people don't file until August, September, even October for the following year. And I did it in, in April, so it was like 18 months out. So I did it very, very early in order to be able to cover more ground more often because it covers the whole state and i wanted to cover the whole state and i wanted to be available for that the you know some of my some days my events i have one two or three a day um and i'm happy to do it and i since i closed my law firm this is what i do full time i just go around and and meet arizonans and talk about what arizonans care about what kind of obstacles have you faced i think that the biggest obstacles are people's belief system that, you know, whether who can win and mm -hmm. also what their idea of winning is. Um, one of my biggest disappointments is when people tell me that we have to win no matter what. And mm -hmm. I, I just disagree with that. I, I've even had people recommend to me that I change some of my policy positions to be more conservative or centered in order to try to win people to vote for me. And my response is that I should tell you what any politician, anyone running for office should tell you what they truly believe in. And they should be open to changing their mind with more information, but they shouldn't lie to you about what they believe in in order to get elected and then do whatever they want. That's dishonest and that's exactly why we're in the position that we're in. We elect people based on a very limited understanding of their platform and then we're shocked when they're not voting according to our interests. Not, not that they're going to please everybody all the time, but you know, Arizona's a retirement state. You take away Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security, and you're going to leave half the population 
not no longer able to be healthy or independent. And we're having to beg our legislators not to do that. So we should know what people really think and, and they should be honest about what their policies are and stand behind them. What are your core issues? Obviously a core issue is, is health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe that in 2017, the United States is the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't have some form of health care for all that makes sure that everybody has freedom to, of a, for a quality life. Another one is education. Education is absolutely the infrastructure of our entire country. An uneducated society is an unproductive society. We will lose our edge in the entire world, much less we won't be able to compete in our own cities if we don't have an educated population. Net neutrality, I'm very passionate about that because it's that's about freedom of information. And if we start charging, if we allow companies to charge for faster internet and more access to information, then not only are we the people losing access to information, but that's also hurting small businesses, nonprofits, and websites that are non-income generating. They will no longer have equal access to the people. These are very core issues that we as a society need for our own freedoms. And one of my biggest, which is not because I'm Muslim, is separation of religion and state. Mm-hmm. I'm, I feel that way because I'm an American and I believe that, that without a separation of religion and state, we cannot have freedom of religion in this country for any religion. The moment that you start saying the government is a particular religion, you have to start defining which sect of that religion it is. And that's dangerous. How are people in your state responding to your platform? People that I talk to in my state, the the platform is very reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we can argue about what kind of health care we should have, but we can't argue that, that our neighbors and our friends and our family are literally dying if they don't have health care. These are very reasonable. Education you know, privatizing education is literally putting a price tag to the head of our children. That is very dangerous for our future. Those who can afford education get the better education. Everybody else is left behind. That's bad for our economy. These are very reasonable. Net neutrality, people, you know, really do kind of like, you know, having the internet at their disposal to to learn what they want to learn. And religion, I mean, religion is being used to Religion mixed with politics is being used to literally erase the LGBTQ community, literally erasing them, not only from the White House website, but now we're arguing that Title VII doesn't even apply to them, not to mention women's access to freedom of of reproduction. I mean, this is all based on religion, and if we divorced religion from politics, maybe we as a society could work together to solve our problems. Are you finding that people know what net neutrality is or are you having to educate them on it? Obviously, there's a demographic that that really gets it and there's a demographic Mm -hmm. that doesn't. But one of even as an attorney, I believe in speaking in plain language. So, you know, once I can explain to you very short and plain language, this basically means that it's like Cox or, or your Internet provider where you pay more money to get more information or more movies, you know, then they understand it. They don't want that. And people are not dumb or uneducated, but they're busy. They're too Mm -hmm. busy to figure out everything using big words that they have to think about deeply. Does not make them 
It doesn't make them illiterate or dumb. It just simply means we're busy. Give me the facts. Give me what I need to know. Be honest so that I can make an adult decision that I'm perfectly capable of doing. Yes, please. All of that. Yes. So how can people get involved with your campaign? My website is www.deedra, D-E-E-D-R-A, 2018, the numbers, dot com. Um, that has my platform. I'm, I'm very open about my platform. I have a, a very more explained platform than actually most people who run for elected office. Um, because I believe that, that these are important issues that we need to think about and you should know where a person stands. Um, we also have on there where you can donate and uh, we have where you can volunteer. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, um, we're even on Snapchat. So social media is very huge for this campaign. Yeah, I saw on Instagram today that you posted your snap code. I think that's very cool you're on Snapchat. Yeah, you know, we, we, we really, one of the things that we did learn from last year is that social media is a mover and a shaker. Mm-hmm. And that where it used to cost millions of dollars to run for just about any political office, that was mainly because the vast majority had to go for television ads. But now... Most people don't have television. They have, you know, Netflix and Amazon and they watch things on their computer. They don't have regular TV. And those who do have regular TV are traditionally watching more of the cable shows and they're they're either DVRing and skipping the negative ads or they're not having them at all. So we have to be creative and how we reach people. So for my campaign, one of the ways that we've chosen is using social media. But secondly, there is nothing, hands down, nothing that you can do other than, that, that works better than human to human contact. And that's why I got in the race early. And that's why I have one, two, three events a day is so that I can meet more warm bodies and we can get together and talk about our common issues and and our common understandings and how we can be more united as humans and Arizonans and people who really care about having progress and improving things for everybody. What's one thing that has really surprised you about running for office? Hmm. Surprised me. Not, I don't know that that much has surprised me Um, because, you know, I went in, I've been around politics pretty much all my life. And, uh, you know, understand that it's a dirty business and understand that, you know, things are, are not, people are not nice to you. I mean, it doesn't bother me when people are not nice to me. Um, you expect to a certain extent that things are going to get dirty. You expect that there's, there's different alliances that happen. Even all of the negative and, and hateful messages that I've received, uh-huh. I totally expected that. My staff, on the other hand, was quite shocked by it. <laughs> because, you know, they never had seen that thing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think most people in society haven't. They, they, think, they think that, you know, minorities just need to have a thicker skin because, you know, there's just a couple of jerks out there that are being mean. We can't make them be nice. And that's actually not what it is. There's a concerted effort to oppress and, and dehumanize several different minority groups. And we as a society have never stood up and said, that's not what we look like. And, and we had the opportunity to do that last year and we chose not to. And that's why we're where we are today. How are you keeping yourself above the fray? You say, you know, politics is dirty business. How are you keeping yourself out of all of that? Because I believe 
and all the things that I was taught as a child about the beautiful foundations of our country. Not that we're perfect, but that we had we had these concepts, these, these ideas of, of how the world could be. And we had this, this foundation and we were given these tools and mechanisms to, to be better as we grew, to be more inclusive as we moved along. And I believe that in my very soul. And I believe that the majority of people believe that too. It's easily, we're easily distracted um, and it's much easier to, to react to fear or hate than it is to hope. But everybody, they want hope. They want hope like it's the water in the desert that they would give their right arm for. And that's a human element that we all want. And we, with that hope, if we can tap back into that hope and we can all start working together, we can all start being involved and we can all start caring again about what happens to other people around us, then we can be the number one country again, instead of honestly being a national embarrassment at this point. Oh my God, that was so inspiring. So if you had advice for any women listening to this who are thinking about running for office, what would that be? You better have a thick skin because it doesn't matter what you do especially as a woman, you will be attacked. All politicians will be attacked, but a woman will be attacked above all. And the way she will be attacked is if she's a woman of color, they will pick on that. If she's not a woman of color, and if she is a woman of color, they will pick on her dress, they will pick on her face, they will pick on whether she smiled enough, they will pick on whether or not her she had beautiful children. I mean, it is that dirty for women. And there's you have to believe why you're here. You have to believe in what you're doing. And you have to keep that why and that belief in the forefront all days to keep you going on the bad days. You are so tough. That sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, one of the biggest problems I think that we have in society as women is it's, it's, it's a plus and it's a minus, right? I mean, the best thing about us is our compassion and our willingness to compromise and our will, ability to forgive. These are the things that keep society from dwindling to nothing. If we mm -hmm. didn't have these abilities, we would have no more marriages. We would have no more children. You know, we would have no more world. This is such a blessing for women to have. But those same things can be used against us. And we have to find that balance in there that says, I'm going to remain to be compassionate and loving and forgiving and, and all these beautiful things that make a woman a woman. But I'm also a, a mother of the world. And as a mother of the world, the whole world, the whole society, the whole neighborhood, I can care about them and I can stand strong because there is nothing stronger than being a woman, being able to forgive being able to be compassionate, being able to continue to love someone who has disappointed you is the biggest strength that humanity could have. And women have this in abundance. And if we remember that and use that in the other areas besides just in our home, we could rule the world into peace overnight. Oh, you are so inspiring. I am just in awe right now. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate taking your time this evening. I enjoyed it. Well, good luck with your campaign. Thank you so much. That's all for today. 
Big thanks to Deidre Abood for talking to me about her campaign. Deidre has been all over, well, everywhere lately. Her campaign has really picked up speed. So check her out and show her some love. You can find her campaign at Deidre2018.com. That's D-E-E-D-R-A 2018.com. And she's Deidre2018 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But on Insta, she's Deidre underscore 18. Very important difference. <laughs> you can also find She's Running on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at at She's Running Pod. I'm always looking for suggestions for women I should have on the pod. So if you know of one, or even better, if you are one, tweet me or shoot me an email at she's running pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Next week, I've got Lori Birch, candidate for U.S. Congress, representing Texas District 3. That's right, another Texan. Y'all, we are working hard in this state. Let me tell you what. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. Thanks. Talk to you soon.